Hello, Ghostbusters. Please hold. Hey, Ghost Heads and Ghostbuster fans. Extraplasm Podcast helped us clean up some of our extra equipment at the firehouse. And now you could win it for a small donation to Starlight Foundation. It helps sick kids in hospitals. It's a worthwhile cause that helps the community. Or my name isn't Janine Melnitz. That's right, Janine. By donating to Starlight, listeners of the Extraplasm podcast can help to provide hospitals with Ghostbusters flight suit-themed gowns for kids as a morale boost while fighting off sickness and negatively charged mood slime. And, overall, supporting Starlight helps to provide kids facing lengthy hospital stays and difficult procedures with enrichment, fun, and play. Donate at least $10 to help support Starlight Foundation through Extraplasm's campaign page at donate.starlight.org extraplasm and you'll be entered into our Ecto Unobtainium giveaway, where you can win Mark Brian Wilson's autograph, a Hasbro Ectoplasm Lab playset, or the ultra-rare and cancelled Hasbro RCRTV trap from Ghostbusters Afterlife. One contest entry per person. Complete details can be found on the Extraplasm Instagram and Twitter accounts, or ask questions at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. We're ready to believe you can make a difference. Right, Janine? Janine? Hi, it's actually Laura Summer from The Real Ghostbusters. So, donate today and win one of these fabulous prizes. Do it for me, do it for the kids. Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing it. Really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet whose stockings are hung by its chimney with care via multiple slime tethers. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Make Maniac from the internet. And I'm excited to talk with you and our guest this episode as we wind down 2023 and celebrate the holiday season. And as we do, I hope that you and your loved ones are happy and healthy, regardless of whether you're celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or celebrating not celebrating any of those things. Um, Maybe you're just celebrating the solstice. Maybe you're just celebrating not being around your family. I don't know. Uh, But regardless of what you're celebrating at the end of the year, I hope that it's going well for you and that you, your loved ones, the people you care about are happy, healthy and uh, having a great end of the year. Uh, so this week, I'm stoked because Chris Stewart of the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip podcast is joining us for some holiday fun. We're going to get updated first on some headlines about Ghostbusters events and happenings, and then we're going to get into a conversation with Chris about sort of our hopes for Ghostbusters uh, merchandise and box sets and animated series for 2023. And then we get into a watch along commentary for the real Ghostbusters Christmas episode, Xmas Marks the Spot. Uh, which I had a lot of fun recording with Chris was really enjoyable. And I hope that you'll sort of participate along and watch along and listen while we talk about the episode, uh, because it was kind of a jumping off point for later conversation. We have about our grandest plans for uh, Ghostbusters live action Christmas theater, uh, which was a really fun conversation. So um, I this is something that I really held near and dear to my heart. I have considered the cross rip something that I consider like part of my routine for a long time until it went on hiatus. And part of the thing that always marks in the Christmas season for me is not just when Christmas movies and TV specials happen now, when Christmas podcasts are happening. And the Crossrip for a very long time had a holiday gift giving guide that I always said marked the beginning of the Christmas season for me as a Ghostbusters fan. Uh, Chris stopped doing that a while ago. He actually said I could do it and pass the mantle down to me. And then I didn't do it because it was kind of a pain in the butt. So instead, I sort of went back to Chris and said, hey, would you like to do this episode where we 
uh, talk about, you know, what, the only real Christmas special that exists in the Ghostbusters universe. And he was more than happy to oblige. So I'm stoked to bring that conversation with you to you uh, in a few moments. We're going to talk first about some headlines, like I said, and uh, talk about the things that have happened over the last, say, week to 10 days in Ghostbusters life. But before we do, I want to give you a couple programming notes just to be aware of about the podcast. Uh, the first of those is that there's just about a week left as of this recording for you to try and win a Hasbro RC Ghost Trap, an Ectoplasm Lab, or an autograph prize pack uh, because entries are closing on December 29th for the Extraplasm Ecto Unobtainium giveaway uh, that is benefiting Starlight Foundation. Uh, so if you want to be involved in that giveaway, the entry is $10 to be involved. You can donate at donate.extra. Nope, let's try that again. Donate.starlight.org slash extraplasm. Uh, and if you go there and donate up to $10 or more, you'll be entered into our giveaway to try and win one of those awesome and fabulous prizes. You probably heard about this at the beginning of the podcast. If you didn't skip past the awesome commercial with Laura Summer, uh, but this will probably be the last week you hear that. So if you were really a fan of it, uh, get get your licks in while you can, because the contest is closing on the 29th in terms of entries. And then the next programming note is that the following day on the 30th of December at 6 p.m. PST, uh, Pacific Standard Time, if you don't know what PST means for some reason, Extraplasm will have its first ever live video stream on YouTube to announce the winner of that giveaway. And we may have a special guest who's joining us. We're working on that. Uh, but I do want you to know that my third programming note is that Extraplasm's first guests of the 2023 calendar are booked. So we're going to be getting back to a regular schedule. I know that we had this was a podcast that was coming out on Sundays or Mondays on a regular basis when we began, we began in August. Uh, things got a little bit pushed from that with just the timeline of my life. My, I, for those of you who haven't heard me say this before, I insanely decided to start a podcast while taking on an extra job at the same time, uh, which I don't know why I did that, but I did it. I survived it. But what that means is coming out of uh, that extra work and into 2023, I will have a more dedicated space in my schedule each week to be doing recording, to be doing editing, those kinds of things. So I'm excited about that because it means that I'm hoping to be coming out again weekly as opposed to mostly weekly, <laughs> especially because there's going to be a lot to talk about in 2023 as we ramp up, not just to a movie at the end of the year, uh, but all the other Ghostbusters projects that are out there, be it you know stuff that's currently out there and that continues to develop like Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed or the VR pro game that's coming out next year. Uh, you know, the animated projects, there's so much content coming out that I want to make sure that we're able to talk about in a timely fashion. So know this, that your first episode uh, is already booked in terms of who's going to be there for January and that hopefully from there, we're going to try and get on a regular calendar schedule of releasing. I want to say once a week, um, I don't want to create expectations for people and then be like, not nah, let you all, you know, let you all down. But that's how we started the podcast. And then it kind of became once every 10 days and a few weeks uh, when we needed to. So you know, we'll probably still have a little bit soft of a calendar, but my plan is to try and have a regular expectation that the podcast stops floating around the week the way it has in the last few weeks, because uh, I'm a teacher and the end of the year happens and December is my hell. <laughs> so um, thankfully it's over now and we get to reset and do January when I can plan and manage things a little bit better than just react to what's going on. So but hope for those of you stuck in there and have listened to the podcast, despite the sort of uh, ambiguity about the schedule that was going on in the last few weeks or of the year, I appreciate your patience and I appreciate that you reach out and say, hey, you dropped an episode and I really enjoyed it because it makes me motivated to make the next one. So uh, but I want to say this, too, just as my final programming note before we get into things this week. Uh, there will be, like I said, one more episode that you'll hear in a format on the 30th because we are doing this live video stream that'll probably get translated into a podcast of some sort. 
Uh, but in the event that for some reason you don't come to YouTube to watch that stream because audio is your bag and you enjoy this while you're driving in the car uh, to work, or in this case, in this week, while you're trying to escape your in-laws, uh, something along those lines, you're like, I'll go get milk from the store for an hour or two and listen to a podcast. Uh, but if, you know, I just want to say thank you. Uh, for those of you who are out there listening, I appreciate you so much because hearing from any of you to say, hey, I'm I'm checked out this week's episode and it's really awesome or the random messages that I get like occasionally at like midnight. They're like, hey, I just listened to six of your episodes in the back catalog and I really enjoyed them. Those make my day more than anything else um, because this is a podcast that I started out of a passion and a love because I loved listening to other people talk about Ghostbusters and some of those people, one of whom will be on this show, uh, were had to go on hiatus and weren't allowed to have those conversations. And so I one point finally said, well, what if we just started to have those conversations? Uh, not to replace that podcast ever, but to sort of supplement it and to uh, fill a gap while we wait for that to come back. Uh, hopefully it comes back. But the point being that you've been there to uh, sustain this. This started in August. We're at 16 episodes. Uh, it's been like four months of my life <laughs> of making a podcast. And if you asked me how it's gone, I would say swimmingly well, but mostly because of the number of people out there who have been uh, awesome audience members and listeners who have been very, very supportive. Uh, of extraplasm in its first few months and its first year. So uh, to all of you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and I hope that you get everything you want for Christmas, Kwanzaa, Claus, whatever it is that you celebrate. Um, this, you deserve it. Um, uh, but beyond that, let's talk a bit, uh, you know, getting out of my being mushy and getting out of programming notes. Let's talk a bit about some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Call in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. The extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Our first headline this week is going to be something uh, that I attended because I was very lucky and very grateful to be there. A big head club is a uh, group or a company that essentially sells NFTs. Uh, regardless of how you feel about NFTs, <laughs> don't keep in mind that Ghostbusters Afterlife had a set of mini puffed NFTs that came out last year uh, around November where you could mint an, a mini puffed and there were like ways for you to buy ghost trap NFTs that would trap other mini puffs. Uh, the point here is that if you had one of these mini puffs, it wasn't just like you bought an animated GIF or something and that was it. You spent your money on a graphic, but rather it, acted as the uh, pass for you to attend a series of master classes with producers of Ghostbusters Afterlife. The final of those was a uh, a watch party with Jason Reitman and Gil Kennan on Zoom that was originally slated for August and ended up being canceled on the day by Jason Reitman, who sent out a video message to everyone apologizing and saying he wasn't going to be able to make it. But uh, Big Head Club worked with Jason Reitman and Gil Kennan over the next few months to reschedule that, and so it took place on December 12th. About 40 people were in, were in attendance, so it was a really kind of intimate experience to be involved at. This is probably because it happened at like 9 o'clock in the morning on a Monday, <laughs> so it was like anybody who was at work really couldn't be there. Uh, but it was about 40 people in attendance, and we had the opportunity to uh, watch the movie in what amounted to a live director's commentary that followed the prompts of the chat room's questions on Zoom. So Jason and Gil shared lots of information that was behind the scenes stuff about like which props were practical, which ones weren't as they talked and watched the movie. But they were also more than willing to take Q&A questions from the audience while we were watching the film. 
and to take uh, to, to sort of elaborate on some of those things. So I'm not going to like try to give you what went on in the entire two hours of this, because uh, it was an intimate two hours where people got to ask questions and where we found out, you know, hey, the the chess pieces on the board that are in Callie's or in uh, Phoebe's bedroom that Egon moves around are really just moved by magnets, <laughs> which, you know, you're like, wow, how low tech. Uh, but or, you know, some things are moved by strings. You're like, wow, it's amazing. Practical low tech photography. Uh, but I'm there's a couple reasons I'm not going to, you know, sort of go through this entire thing. One is that this was an exclusive event for uh, NFT holders. And so while I know that there's a copy of the video of this, like sort of circulating out there in the ether, um, we're not providing it or sharing it on Extraplasm. I'm not providing the full audio of it, even though I know it exists out there, because this is something that you, you know, were intended to have uh, a pass to come to. You paid to be at that event. It was a private event. It's like coming to a private event in person and then showing up and recording the entire thing in secret. Uh, so that's not a thing that this podcast does. Uh, but beyond that, I it's kind of hard to convey two hours worth of information about every single thing that's in there. Uh, so I'm going to give you some of the nuts and bolts about things we discovered about the narrative. Um, not so much about the production necessarily, because there were a few key questions that got asked to the Q&A, some of them by yours truly, uh, <laughs> that we got some answers to. And one of those things that I really wanted to talk about for a minute was that there's been a rumor, I think, in the fandom that Annie Potts had a much larger role in Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, and would have been much more pivotal and central to the narrative. And instead, a lot of her time was cut. And that was confirmed in this conversation with Jason Reitman and Gil Kennan. Uh, in fact, Jason Reitman said that the story that Janine had was far more developed. And he said she had Egon's ashes and she was trying to find the right place for his ashes. And it went all the way to the end of the movie. His ashes kind of flew up into the sky and she had great scenes. It's amazing how funny Annie Potts is, how sharp she is and how good her scene work was with Callie. Uh, so he confirmed during the Q&A that, yeah, there was an entire subplot to this movie that we lost uh, that involved Janine going from you know Ghostbuster to Ghostbuster to figure out where Egon's ashes should go and who should wind up with them uh, because she became his caretaker at the end of his life. So. Uh, I want those scenes. <laughs> they absolutely need to see uh, the, the Annie Potts scenes that we lost. And I hope that we get to see them someday. And if, if it's not a director's cut, because Jason Reitman says that what we have is the director's cut, that he is satisfied with the movie, that we get it in some sort of like Ghostbusters afterlife, ultimate Ecto super duper collection thing. I don't know. I'm throwing Ecto in there because it's required. You have to just throw that word in anytime you market anything at this point. Uh, but I think that this would be an amazing set of scenes to see. And it is really a tragedy that uh, we didn't get to see that story kind of come out and see the relationship between Janine and Egon and sort of what it might have been like at the end of his life. You know, they kind of, I don't think they were romantically linked, but she clearly still continued to carry a torch for him and to really respect him and care for him. So um, I would have loved to have seen those scenes and I would have loved to have seen her kind of interact with the other Ghostbusters because it's something we never saw in the movie. Other than Winston in the uh, post credit scene, there's no point where Janine interacts with, you know, with Venkman. There's no point where Janine interacts with Ray. So I want to see those scenes so badly because I want those interactions. I want another uh, couple sharp witted comments between Bill Murray and Annie Potts to round out the franchise. So um, hopefully someday we'll get those. Another big question that was resolved in this uh, and that I asked in the Q&A was what's the story with the Sentinel Terror Dogs? Uh, so how do they work? What what is their deal? We got a toy of them. We, we've seen uh, the closest thing we see to a Sentinel Terror Dog is probably 
the uh, ghost form of the terror dog that forms out of the fog behind Egon, behind his chair right before he dies. Uh, and by the way, spoilers, if you <laughs> they probably should have said this is about 10 minutes ago, but if you've never seen Ghostbusters Afterlife for some reason, fix yourself. Um, but the point being here that the, uh, the Sentinel terror dogs, we got action figures up from Hasbro in the form of a build a figure. Uh, we know that there was, you know, merchandise designed around them, but we never really understood what a Sentinel terror dog was other than these two statues that existed inside the temple. And essentially Jason Reitman uh, explains this by saying that the terror dogs are the ghost or the Sentinel terror dogs are the ghost form of the terror dogs. So sort of in their non-merged non-completed, uh, you know, Zool and Vince Clortho, uh, transmogrification, uh, moment that's them. They're, they're the ghosts. So like when you think about the ghost that gets pulled out of Callie, when the kids throw the, uh, RC trap underneath her and suck out the ghost from her in order to break Gozer in half, essentially, uh, that is a sentinel terror dog in a way that comes out of the manifestation of the physical dog. And so that's a, a fun thing to think about that in the ghost form they have this sentinel appearance that we don't see so much like at all in the 84 movie. But in the 2021 movie, we were given a piece of the lore of sort of how these beings exist when they're not uh, just being, you know, lightninged into the ground and then appearing inside statues that break open. <laughs> so that's kind of an interesting thing to think about that, you know, yeah, the sentinel terror dogs are a different thing, but they're kind of also the same thing because they're just the spirit forms of the original terror dogs. So um, that to me is fascinating. I like the idea that there's a whole conversation about how that works that went on in uh, pre-production. And, you know, one of the things that Jason Reitman commented on was that they took this notion of sentinels from, uh, say, Egyptian religions and Egyptian uh, mythos. If you go back and look at temples of uh, people who were aristocracy, who were buried, they would have, uh, you know, sort of like carvings of images of, uh, you know, human, half human, half uh, animal hybrid chimera things that served as sentinels and harbingers. So th that's part of where that came from, apparently, in the uh, working into the script. So uh, that was like two big things that I have to say, like I, I asked about and I'm not be telling you these things, but I asked about them and I'm cool as much as I feel comfortable sharing those answers because I was given them. Uh, but I think, too, that, you know, they were two big pieces for me that have just sort of bounced around in my brain of like, how does this movie work? Like, what is a sentinel terror dog and what happened to Janine? Uh, one other piece of uh, info that I thought was really interesting that he talked about uh, is that Phoebe's PKE meter, if you've not noticed this, if you look in the scenes during Ghostbusters Afterlife after Callie turns into Zool, um, she's doing the whole there is no mom, there is only Zool thing. And if you look at the PKE meter when uh, Phoebe walks out of the house, she walks out of the house and she looks at the field and that's the moment where she says, this isn't a farm, it's a trap. And she realizes that the entire farm is essentially designed to be a massive ghost trap to store something. Uh, you know, this is what we're going to find out. Oh, Gozer. So in those scenes, if you look at the PKE meter closely, you'll notice that the screen on it and the ends of it is cracked. And it looks like it's been like glued back together, but it is physically deformed as she's carrying it. We don't ever see it up close this way, but it is how it looks in her hand. Jason Reitman um, kind of explained that there was a different version of or a different edit of the scene where Callie and Phoebe have an argument after they come back from the police station where, you know, F Callie says, hey, I'm really glad you found yourself here. And, uh, you know, Phoebe says, why didn't you tell me my grandfather was Egon Spangler? 
and they have this argument and Phoebe says, you know, that he's the kind of scientist who's an asshole. <laughs> and uh, that scene apparently ended with Callie smashing the PKE meter in frustration, which would have, of course, severed the connection between Egon and the rest of the family temporarily until Phoebe went and fixed the PKE meter. And there are scenes in the trailer of Phoebe working on a PKE meter to fix it. So um, it sounds like from what Jason Reitman said that they screen tested this and the audience did not like Callie <laughs> after she smashed the PKE meter. Uh, the character became less likable. And so they chose to edit around it and um, remove the part of the scene where Callie smashes the PKE meter. But of course, the scenes they still had where they are, you know, the, after that, later on in the movie uh, that was filmed probably in Canada and not on the soundstage, those scenes still have the broken PKE meter in them. So if you have a quick eye or a fat, you know, a sharp eye, you may have noticed this and been like, what is the deal? And I'm talking to you out there, uh, you know, uh, Ray Cameron. Uh, Austin, because I know that you noticed this and we talked about it. So if you're listening out there, uh, Austin of the Central Oklahoma Ghostbusters totally noticed this long before any of us did. Uh, but um, I think that this is a fascinating thing to find out. That there's like alternate versions of the scenes that would have had an impact on how the story was told, the relationship dynamics of the characters worked out. Uh, and so I really hope someday we get to see those scenes. I really do. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff I could tell you, like a couple of tidbits that are just fun. Um, Spinners was an abandoned gas station. They had to build not an actual restaurant. So that was like a literally a torn down gas station. They rebuilt up uh, the this is how it ends sign in front of Egon's house is literal because that's how the movie ends. Jason Reitman pointed this out and I loved it that they literally drove the Ecto one through the sign that says this is how it ends as a literal callback to the end of the movie. Uh, but probably my my favorite, like dopey little things that we learned from this one. And I did ask this question is, yes, Egon's bunker does indeed have stairs uh, and they were built and were functional. According to uh, Jason and Gil, you don't have to climb the fire pole out by hand, but they both said that they did the fire pole. Uh, they made sure that they wrote it and slid down it. And uh, Gil commented that fire poles have way more play in them than he thought they would. Uh, so. Uh, I imagine that means that we'll uh, th th those guys will be really comfortable by the end of the next movie with fire poles. I hope um, <laughs> because that's the code name of the next movie is Firehouse. My final thing here I want to tell you that I thought was so fun and cute. Um, I have been trying to chase down the Rainbow Dash USB stick that is featured in this movie where podcast holds up his uh, his USB stick and asks Phoebe if she'd like to check out his podcast. And um it's a you it's a rainbow dash my little pony USB stick that he holds up in the air that is out of print basically impossible to find uh because it was a limited edition Mimo bot or Mimo Co USB collectible uh that is very difficult to locate and ironically enough since I just mentioned him uh Austin from the Central Oklahoma Ghostbusters is literally the only person I know who has one because we at one point tried to buy the same one um <laughs> from Mercari but uh Apparently that was supposed to be a Hello Kitty USB stick in the script, but uh, they couldn't get the licensing agreement in place to license Hello Kitty for the movie. So they ended up with My Little Pony, which to me totally makes sense, given that Hasbro is, you know, the number one toy licensor for Ghostbusters and has the license for the next few years. And surprise, surprise, uh, who owns My Little Pony? But Hasbro. <laughs> so if you had to turn to something that was parallel... Uh, it makes sense that they went to My Little Pony given that they couldn't do Hello Kitty, but uh, it does make me want to now find Hello Kitty USB sticks just so I can be incredibly meta 
and then load every episode of this podcast onto it as we go uh, from here on in uh, perpetuity. So that, that way I can walk up to people and be like, would you would you like to listen to my podcast and hold up weird Hello Kitty uh, sticks and have no one understand why? Um, but that's just the me thing. You you know, that may not be your thing. So um, but like I said, this was a really cool and really intimate event that went on. I, I don't know that you're going to find this out there because let's be very real. Um, the way this was done was that uh, someone shared a copy of Ghostbusters Afterlife in a window like they were sharing their screen on Zoom as an application and the entire movie and all of its audio track are embedded within it. So I imagine if uh, anybody does turn around and put that out without permission, that it might proceed to kind of uh, draw the attention of the folks over at Sony Legal, uh, regardless of what people in Ghost Core think. So um, here, here's a word to, to the wise to take the phrase from our friends over the Ghostbusters containment unit. Don't be a peck. Um, if you happen to have a, a video copy of that for some reason, enjoy it, appreciate it, uh, invite people over and, and watch it together in private, but do everyone in the franchise a favor and uh, don't turn around and take that video and share it to everyone out there in the entire world, uh, because it was designed to be a private event, just like somebody coming out to a private uh, you know, engagement uh, because they <clears throat> were part of a, an exclusive or private club they invested in. A one and two, uh, it's copyrighted material. It's the entire movie. So uh, if we want things like this to happen in the future, it's best that we don't turn around and take this entire thing and share it over and over again until it gets ceased and desisted off the internet. Because when that happens, it'll probably happen via Big Head Club, uh, given that it's you know there there was their content to begin with. Uh, so so that's my little editorial on this, and uh, I I want to say thank you to uh, to a few people. One to Big Head Club for providing me with the a free NFT uh, back in August when they were looking to uh, market this event and provide a few more seats at the table to come and ask questions. Uh, I was given an NFT uh, for free. And so thank you to Big Head Club for providing this amazing opportunity to me, uh, to many people. But in my case, um, I was a recipient of this for, uh, you know, for nothing. And so uh, thank you to them for making that available to a select number of people who were invited to, or not, I don't want to say invited because it wasn't like, hey, Jim, you come, but it was a open call of, Hey, there's some extra NFTs that are available back in August. Uh, and the second person I want to thank here for sure is friend of the podcast, J.D. Raymer, uh, who without uh, I, that, I probably never would have even done that. Uh, J.D. is somebody who is very, very cool uh, and has a lot more interest and a lot more um, openness to things on the on the blockchain, we'll say, in terms of his hobbies and things. And as somebody who has talked to me about this, this kind of stuff and made me a little more aware and more educated about how all of those things work. But it all began with him saying like, dude, did you know you could get a free mini puffed NFT, um, which opened the door for me to be able to be at this very cool, uh, you know, Zoom session. I say be there because it's like you were there virtually, but I was still in my house wearing pajama pants. And I can say that now I've had interactions with Jason Reitman while wearing pajama pants and a Ghostbusters Christmas sweater. I'm a winner for life. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, Let's talk about the next news item here we need to get into. Uh, so beyond the uh, Beghead Club event, the other thing that's happened that I wanted to talk with you about since we last spoke is that Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed version 1.3 has come out. The patch has been released. That they were describing as a quality of life update, and this unlocks a few new things, uh, including the new tenure system that allows you to reset your experience back to zero uh, and then play through the game again while keeping your clothing items and things unlocked. You do have to level your gear back up, uh, but the idea here is that you will come out with a badge that says that you were amongst the most dedicated and 
hardcore players. You also unlock a uh, colander helmet like, you know, the one that Lewis Tully wears in the 1984 movie when he's being asked if he would like coffee or not. Yes, have some. Uh, so in that game, you can now uh, go and essentially re- if you made it made it to level 100, you maxed out your XP. You can reset and uh, play through the challenges a second time, which then gives you some prestige and notoriety in the community. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm level 100 and uh, everyone who I play with in quick play who's gone and re leveled up and done this just complains to me about how they want their gear back and it's taking too long. And I agree. I have my time is finite and I enjoy the fact that I unlock the things that I unlocked. So you probably will not see me with a prestige badge or a colander helmet on my head in uh, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, but I can live with that. So the more exciting thing about Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed patch 1.3 is that this means that a lot of bugs that were in the game before were fixed, in particular the blue buckets that you could jump in into the uh, brewery level that would cause you as a ghost to become uncatchable have been fixed. There are some new glitches, of course, because nothing new comes without some new thing, new problems. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll see those fixed pretty quickly. A lot of the gameplay changes here have to do with uh, reducing things like the length of a stun that happens for the Ghostbusters, how frequently they can stun together. So how long it takes to recharge those things. They wanted to make the gameplay more equitable for ghosts is the explanation that they gave. So by doing so, they kind of nerfed some of the Ghostbusters uh, equipment in order to give the ghost more of a fighting chance. I have to admit that when the patch first came out, I was really unhappy. Uh, I was probably more vocal than I needed to be <laughs> in some contexts uh, in Ilphonic's Discord server about uh, how I felt these changes were going to impact the game. But after playing uh, for about you know a week, week and a half in my downtime, and uh, as the school year has wound up, I have found that it does mean you have to play together more with uh, the folks you're playing with. So for quick players, it's more of a challenge, I think. But I do think that it probably makes the game a little more competitively equitable and fun as opposed to just like, hey, three Ghostbusters uh, or four Ghostbusters run after a ghost and try to slam it in the trap as fast as possible over and over again. So uh, with the chain stunning that existed where somebody could stun the ghost using the PKE meter and then their partner could do the same and their partner could do the same. So like four people could all stun the ghost in rapid succession. It was very difficult to escape. Uh, But now that's been changed a bit. So the uh, length of those stuns are shorter. It's harder to chain them. So it gives the ghost a little bit more of a fighting chance. There is a lot of changes. I'm not going to try and run through all of them. And if you want to see some of them, my strong advice is go to Ghostbusters news and look at Jason Fitzsimmons coverage of um, the things that have gone on because he's got a really great breakdown of what's changed in the uh, game, as well as uh, an article about some missing Easter eggs that are going to have to be put back because I guess if somebody made a mistake in terms of the uh, code that was uploaded and some different, not things that are gameplay sensitive, but things that are just sort of environmentally sensitive, like a dancing toaster in the firehouse are now missing. Uh, so, but apparently those are oversights. They're coming back. The other big thing they've announced, of course, is that we talked about in the last episode that there will be a new uh, downloadable content coming for Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed in January or February in Q1. Uh, and that is going to include a uh, muncher and a hospital level that has been closed since the 1980s and is being refurbished. Uh, so I'm very excited about that because the game definitely needs new content and new narrative, and new story to remain viable over time. Uh, there's only five levels in that game. We got it in October. So we've, I think we've kind of beaten those five into the ground at this point. And the reason he's playing is not for the, uh, experience of uncovering anything new at this point, as much as it is playing with other people and enjoying it. But they did tease right before going on break, Ilphonic teased an image of snowsuits that are going to be available for your character in the new, uh, DLC pack including a stay puffed snowsuit, which I want to be real so I can wear it. Uh, it's of course here in California, like 70 degrees today. So I would not wear it today, but 
I guess I would have a reason to go somewhere where like uh, snowboarding or uh, skiing happens just so I could stand around in the cold in a snowsuit. But I mean, come on, who doesn't want a Stay Puft snowsuit? That's dope. <laughs> so the last news item I want to talk about this week, and to be real, I'm sure there are more news items that happened in the last 10 days, but these are the ones we're going to focus on before we get into our interview to make things manageable or rather our commentary to make things manageable this week. Uh, HasLab proton packs have blown my mind. Because if you would ask me as a person who's been totally obsessed with Hasbro release schedules and shipments and all kinds of things for months, if we were going to see the HasLab Proton Pack early, my answer would have been, of course not. Are you insane? Uh, in fact, I even made some posts to that extent, seeming incredulous when it became uh, suggested by Hasbro that we were going to start to see these things ship in January. But lo and behold, HasLab Proton Packs are arriving in Europe via people who bought them uh, through Zavi. And Zavi was a uh, reseller who was authorized by Hasbro in a limited number of territories in the, uh, on the planet. Uh, everywhere else, everyone was buying directly through Hasbro Pulse. But uh, everyone who ordered a Hasbro HasLab Proton Pack through Pulse got an email uh, back, I want to say at this point, about 10 days ago at this point, saying that you should expect to start seeing the shipments and that you had till January 1st to update your mailing address to ensure that your shipment arrived in the correct place. Uh, I really didn't believe that was going to happen. I was like, there's no way we're going to see this stuff move before like March. I just can't see how. And then lo and behold, what do you know? Uh, here we are. There's people who've got proton packs. If you haven't seen this already, you can go and find coverage from their Instagram account or you, I think believe even it's posted on Ghostbusters news. The Dublin Ghostbusters are the first folks to share video and photos of a working HasLab proton pack in the hands of a consumer. Uh, and the thing looks freaking amazing. So I'm so excited about this. There's some great video content out there to take a look at of how easy it is to uh, configure this thing and attach it to an Alice frame. So I'm, I'm going to say this to you now. If you don't have an Alice frame, buy an Alice frame now. Don't wait, uh, because if you wait until like after Christmas, as these things start to land, you're probably going to find yourself chasing an Alice frame, I imagine, because people are going to buy Alice frames for these. They didn't come with them. Uh, so. Uh, but it's incredibly easy. Like I've watched the video, all the mounting hardware is already there. Everything you need to put the thing on the frame is already in place and it's brilliant. So I'm stoked about this. We'll obviously cover this more when this thing lands uh, and we have it here. Uh, you know, I have one here in my hands when you have one in your hands, uh, if you're not living overseas, but you know, if you're one of our European listeners and you're getting this, I know there's a few of you out there in the UK who listen to the podcast and you get your hands in the HasLab Proton Pack uh, and you want to share anything about it. You want to, you know, post a video and have me post it out to, uh, you know, the extraplasm Instagram page or put it out through stories. I'm happy to do that because I think it's cool for folks to be able to see this thing and to build the anticipation as we all wait to get ours. So, um, you know, and that leaves for me, that leaves a lot of hope. It means that Hasbro seems to have gotten some of their supply chain woes, their shipping woes uh, under wraps such that they've exceeded their schedules and their timelines. So for I'm hopeful that means that as we go into the next movie, uh, Hasbro is still the brand partner for toys, right? So I want to see a better toy rollout and a more effective toy rollout than what happened with Afterlife. And clearly that was very disrupted by COVID, by, uh, you know, a, a canal being closed, by ships that had uh, shipping containers that probably you know, went over sea, that went overboard during that period. There's all kinds of things that went wrong in the year that Afterlife was supposed to be released that broke its merchandise supply chain, just like all the merchandise supply chain for all kinds of stuff got broken. So I'm excited to see uh, Hasbro kind of get another crack at this for another movie and see what we can get that comes out correctly this time on schedule. And maybe they'll get a chance to redo, you know, something. Maybe we'll get um, a wider release of the ectoplasm lab. Who knows? Uh, I don't think you're going to see that RC trap though, which is, you know, another reason why for only $10, you can donate 
at donate.starlight.org slash extraplasm to be entered into the Ecto Unobtainium giveaway. Aren't you all going to be so happy next week when I when I'm done trying to get you to give money to someone who's not me? Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so that that out of the way, that kind of wraps up our headlines for this week. Um, like I said, there's definitely stuff you can find on Ghostbusters news of smaller stories that have happened in the last 10 days, but to keep things manageable, I want to focus on those big things. And then I want to talk uh, with our good friend, Chris Stewart. So let's do that now. Let's move on from headlines and cut now to our, uh, our conversation with the one, the only Chris Stewart of the Ghostbusters interdimensional cross rip podcast. And of course, uh, better known on the internet to many of us as proton charging. Joining me on the Extraplasm podcast for a very special holiday occasion uh, is Chris Stewart of the CrossRip, uh, the Interdimensional CrossRip podcast. How are you doing, Chris Stewart, from the uh, cold and and much snowier land of Canada? How is how are things going? <laughs> it's going great. I uh, deliberately retreated west over the years to stay away from the snow. And yeah. this year, this year it really caught up with us. We're, I am I am <laughs> I am technically snowbound. And it's not even it's not even a, a horrific amount of snow compared to some big like uh, you watch the East Coast ones when they get hammered. Yeah, We're not quite that much, but it's not it's not it's not too little either. It was enough that. Well, let's put it this way. If you live in a province that doesn't get a lot of snow, let's just say municipal tax money does not invest in a lot of snow plows. So when mm-hmm. we do get hit with snow. The roads are a nightmare until the snow melts, <laughs> and if if that's like this week where it's gonna take it's it's gonna take a week to melt away. Yeah, everybody's just you're just stuck. So I am um, when I was doing grad school, I lived in Wyoming, and I think mm. that Wyoming is sort of like the Canada of of the United yeah. States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, close. Wyoming. Well, this is certainly Wyoming and uh, Montana, Montana. Yeah. Very, very Alberta like like all along the top there. Whatever state is just underneath, it matches very closely to whatever Canada is above Seattle, Seattle and uh, Vancouver. Very similar. But uh, I always laugh because Wyoming would do this thing where um, when it snowed, the city of like they would just close Interstate 80. So there's this yeah. massive trucking route that moves all this stuff across the country. And they'd be like, well, it snowed. There's 65 mile an hour winds. There's ice all over the freeway. What are we going to do about it? Close the city. Wow. OK. Can you yeah. leave? No, all the roads are closed. And so like literally for those of you listening out there, like what does it mean to be snowbound? Like literally sometimes means like like for us, we would be like we knew how long we'd been there because we would run out of Coca-Cola. The bottling <laughs> plant was in Denver. And so since they so since the Coca-Cola couldn't make it up the freeway to us, we we knew. Um, yeah, we, you knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, it's the same thing here. We we ventured out yesterday to because uh, we were like over the weekend. We're like, yeah, well, this week we'll get the Christmas uh, food stock in and all that. And I was like, nope. So that got delayed. <laughs> and then yesterday we were like, we got to We got to We got to do something or it's it's going to be a Rice Krispies uh, uh, Christmas Christmas dinner. And uh, we just <laughs> you put marshmallows made... in it, you know. Well, that's <laughs> just... true. Yes, <laughs> you can it's then gonna... build things. Then it becomes it's a building gonna, material. It's going to be a diabetic <laughs> Christmas. Um, you build a giant Stay Puft statue out of it, worship yeah. it for the rest of the uh, the holiday season. It becomes yeah. your new holiday. Exactly. Uh, stay Puftimus. Yeah. <laughs> well, um. but on the plus side, the ten year old loves it. So uh, 
Anything, anything that lends itself to making uh, the holidays uh, magical. That's fine. Yeah. If I have to do a little well, traveling, so what? Here, we're going to do this change from what's 65 degree weather to 78 degree weather um, so that we can do totally the opposite of Christmas <laughs> at Christmas because that's what we do in California, at least in this part of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> in other parts of it, you're doing other things. But in this part, we're going to do let's do 80 degrees um, and if, yeah, stand if, outside and barbecue. <laughs> if winter gets bad enough up here. You guys get a, a week of rain is basically yeah. what it gets. So right. But then we pray we we are so happy. We see that 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 rain. We That's all right. run outside with like Dixie cups and buckets and we're all trying to collect it and be like, what can we do with it? There's free water <laughs> that came from the sky. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, isn't it great? It's the time to be alive. <laughs> but it is a time if you'll have your Ghostbuster fan for sure. Sunbathing so should, it should well, I, I was about to chide you guys. It's like sunbathing is not something you should be able to do at, uh, at uh, <laughs> Christmas. But then it occurs to me that everybody that lives down under, all the Australian Ghostbusters fans, that's exactly what they're doing. They're having yes. their summer. So, well, I will say this there is my, I go to a community pool uh, near here several times a week to go swim. And, um, uh, I, I outdoors and I have taken on this outdoor swimming thing in the last six months because I found yeah. that I could go outside and get in the sun and yes. get this amazing stuff called like free vitamin D that just comes out of the sky, <laughs> which is really great um, for people. And so I started going to the outdoor pool, but they had a polar bear of like swim event, which I thought was hilarious because they're like, come out for the polar bear swim. And I was like, what does that even mean here? They're like, we're going to go for a run and then we're going to jump in the pool like at eight o'clock in the morning. It's like, so it's going to be 54 degrees. Like, what, <laughs> what is polar bear about? And maybe it is because global warming's happening and the polar bears are just experiencing warmer weather. But like, yeah. what? <laughs> there's some some Canadians and some Finns that would object to that definition. Yeah, of polar for sure. Swim. <laughs> there's definitely no, there's like a, there's got to be a club. There has to be like some certifying organization of polar bear people who are like, yeah, no, we are the official polar bear, uh, you know, order of the, t- of the, uh, the, the white I don't know. I'm now, now I've lost it. I was going to say something funny, but I fucked it up. So let's put it this way. If your polar bear, uh, swim doesn't run the risk of stopping your heart from shock, <laughs> or are you drowning because your limbs have gone numb? Right. Is it really a polar bear swim? Right. Yeah. I, I the guys in the deadliest no. catch would disagree. The guys in the yeah, bear exactly. suit are like, this, fuck you. That is not a polar bear swim at all. I want to hear that. That's nonsense. <laughs> That's right. Let's put it this way. If you're not doing it somewhere where there actually are polar bears, is it a polar bear swim? Right. Uh, I don't know. This, which makes this limits does limit where you can actually run that event. Um, that's, that's true. Yes. <laughs> and, and so. global warming goes on. That event becomes more and more limited. <laughs> Unfortunately, or, or, it, or it expands as the polar bears uh, head south looking for food. So it could go either way. So uh, we know one thing that event will be sponsored by Coca-Cola. Uh, for <laughs> that's sure. right. Oh, boy. <laughs> I feel so bad that in 40 years they may have a mascot that nobody really understands anymore. Yeah. Like, what is that? Kids will be like, why is Why do they have a, there's never been a white bear. It's an albino bear, <laughs> sweetie. We, you don't well, play. now that we've made the uh, holiday season seem like such a gleeful time on planet Earth, uh, and we've right. talked about how. Freezing to death. And- yeah, well, that's, <clears throat> less of it is happening soon. Santa Claus is not going to be freezing. He's going to be swimming at the North Pole. That's right. um, he's going to have an aquatic environment, and he's teaming up with Aquaman to remodel. And <laughs> that's, <laughs> I don't know. 
But yeah, um, on happier notes, it is the holiday season. And uh, I'm excited to talk with you because one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you is that every year uh, I actually reached out to you. I know you know this, but people listening may not. I, you had run a holiday gift guide, the CrossRib for years, which I always said kind mm. of akin to your your Halloween episode of the CrossRib, which was marking in the holiday, Halloween season. To me, the holiday gift guide always kind of marked the Christmas season. It was like, oh, cool, we're here. And I'm like one of those people who like literally we're, all the Christmas episodes started happening, the music, all the TV shows happen. I fell into, oh, it's the Christmas season several weeks ago when people's podcasts began doing, oh, let's review a Christmas movie. And I was like, oh, shit, cool. Um, so I for me, I'm like, there's no part of Christmas without the cross rip. So I was like, I wanted to talk to you because we didn't get to hear from you this year. And then you well, said, hey, you could do the quality gift guide. And I, then I didn't do it. So <laughs> <laughs> No, well, even if you listen back to the last couple of years, I in the the, the gift guides, I kind of talked about it in each one that it was getting it was one thing in the early days when I was recording them because it was more of a helping people remember the still relatively limited amount of stuff that was available yeah. for Ghostbusters fans and then by the last couple of years there was so much stuff at all times all year round that it seemed mm-hmm. to and my I wasn't in the headspace I guess if I had more time and energy I would have done more of a I mean, Every chapter we talk to agreed. And it's literally them curating things. And I, I just, I don't know. In the end, I was kind of doing a little bit of that, pointing people out at the, the uh, you know, whatever book had come out that year. Ghostbusters books were always a safe one to recommend to people. And then by the right. last one, I think I was just pointing people at fans that made stuff. Because at that point, nobody needed me to tell you Ghostbusters stuff. You just go to Amazon and go, Ghostbusters. And then, hmm. <laughs> got endless amounts of things that you can uh, <clears throat> choose to, well, to we, buy. we did right i mean afterlife kind of did change that quite a bit because we yeah. went from having like there were no toys for you to go find so if you wanted Just some it was like tons. you'd have to go find some esoteric stuff to hey hasbro has things that it didn't even release yeah it, <laughs> it went from it went from unless you bought the t-shirt that came out that year in march you right. didn't have it as a gift to give away in december and now there's always a you know, both official and unofficial, there's Ghostbusters t-shirts and hoodies and all that everywhere at any given time. So, yeah, I kind of walked away from the gift guide. And when you were like, you were very polite. And you're, May I please, sir? And I'm like, dude. <laughs> it was like somebody coming and saying, would you mind, please, very much, could I use the rusty car in your driveway? And I'm like, dude, he sat there for 10 years. I'm not doing anything. No, man, I was like... Nuts. I felt like I was approaching you and being like Clark Griswold, like in a, you know the the Christmas uh, the Christmas vacation movie where it's like here it's your turn to read the Christmas story. And it's like your turn. Is this your your turn this year, son? Not that I'm your son or anything. Is that be weird? But um, but yeah, like you know, it's like I don't yeah. want to just go and do it. Um, and then I didn't do it because for, for many of the reasons you just cited, right? <laughs> it's like oh, you know what? This would be a weird episode of me basically like. Reading the phone book. Um, and- not only that, I'm, not, like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can go to Ghostbusters News and he tags all of his posts. So yeah. I'm pretty sure if it's a merch item, he has a merch tag and you can just click right. that. And then you'll get every story he's written in the last year of Ghostbusters merch with links. Yep. And you can just go, that's awesome. Click on the link. Sold out. Okay, next. That's awesome. Click on it. <laughs> Still available, right? Like, it's all there. The the, the hunting is good these days. But um, yeah. No, it is. Um, and it's about to get better because as we track into a new year of um, 
we wind up this year of 20 of 2022 and we head into 2023. Uh, for those of you who are listening out there and you're like, what year is it? I forgot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, we're going to see so much more stuff. I mean, cause we have, uh, I don't know how many Ghostbusters products are coming that I've lost track of in terms of media. Yeah. Which, how many of them will have companion things that go with them. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like action figures, t-shirts, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Jason from Ghostbusters news will finally get his long fabled and wanted waffle maker. Um, cause he's wanted that for a very long time. Yes. I talked about that a few weeks ago in the show. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited. So what yeah. are, I guess that's a question. Like, cause we're going to do like, we're we should probably tell people like, what are we doing? Why are we sure. just rambly talk? You know, what, what, um, for those of you out there on? listening, WTF. we're going to we're going to do a little uh, holiday special here and uh, watch a holiday special together. Uh, we're going to watch Xmas Xmas marks the spot, the uh, real Ghostbusters episode from season one of real Ghostbusters. That actually was the last episode of the season and became after that, the Christmas special officially um, of that cartoon. Uh, so we're going to watch that and provide a little bit of a commentary for it. But before we get into that, I kind of want to ask you like, what, what's your, um, what's your big hope? Like for what do you like last time I asked you like what you're most excited about and you're like new movie, <laughs> like that may still be true, but like, uh, like what's your, you're coming out of this year, I guess I kind of want to ask you like, what's the thing you've left 2022, I guess like most excited or hopeful about like as we track into another year of fandom stuff. Well, uh, I really want to see the comic. Um, yeah, that all got thrown up in the air thanks to the pandemic, but, uh, I really want to see that. Uh, I, it's been too long without a Ghostbusters comic that I can go to the store and pick up. So I guess that's a little bit of one. Um, I'm looking forward to the fact that we're officially in the you know next couple of years going to reach a point where you know Sony's going to start thinking about like real super uh, Blu-ray sets and all that, right? Like yeah. So the last one being you know the trap one, which was cool. I'm just sort of holding out for them to do the, like, uh, what was the the best one? This is a few years back now, but they put out, like, a Blade Runner, and it's, like, a uh, like a suitcase that came with um, the movie. And then, you know, that, that edition that they had put out that had the different cuts of it. And then they had right. some of the uh, Sid Meier's prints of his concept art. And I think there's a spinner miniature. Uh, similar ones would be early on in the first couple of phases of Marvel, they did the same thing, like a shield mm-hmm. uh, briefcase that had like, I'm, I'm looking for the suit. We're, we're getting there that, that uh, light up uh ghost trap that, yeah. also, that came along with the making ghostbusters. That was pretty good. Although that one also tested the waters and proved pretty quick that <laughs> if they're going to make another one, it has to be comprehensive. Like it literally yeah. just has to be all the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm my hope is that it's all the movies and um the the cartoon and then Extreme Ghostbusters as as well. Right, throw that on the Blu-ray. I'd I will that. admit I'd love to see that. That's that would be I I we haven't seen an actual like like we have a release of obviously of um uh we have like there's there's the Amazon releases of the real Ghostbusters episodes that you know if you're gonna watch. If you're going to listen to this, you should totally go look at because <laughs> like that's the easiest yeah. way to get them. If you have Amazon Prime is they're already included in your stuff. But I was trying to think about this, that I don't think there's been a complete release of the entire cartoon series since the Time Life Collection release in like 2008. 
there's all these sort of like collection releases they've put out, but they're all missing something. Like they're all missing either like um, some of the episodes or like some of the cuts of the episode or like the Slimer episodes or something like. And so I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know when the last time I think that may be the only time they ever put out like all 131 or whatever episodes it is. I can't remember what the actual number is. Off the yeah. top of my head, but, well, they did um, the DVD, yeah. they did the DVDs. And yeah, there was the collections, but the, the there was that run of DVDs that was in order. But as yeah. you say, it's missing episodes. Yeah, and, and it is a little weird to me to the to this day. If you want to physically own all the real Ghostbusters, you have to own at least two different sets mm-hmm. of discs, two different editions, because yes. one has what the other one's missing. And I actually, the worst of it is, I seem to recall that between the two of them, there's still one that's not there. Well, there's it's part the, of it too. Is there's all these things, and like we can get into this as we talk about the episode a bit. But I think there's not so much to talk about for this episode. But there's all these things that like Paul Rudolph has done a great job of documenting most of this on yes. Spook Central. Uh, if you've never been to Spook Central, um, go and check that out because it's an amazing like reference w- w- website to look at for this series in particular, but lots of Ghostbusters things. But one of the things that he's taken the time to do over the years is to document out like, yes, which different versions of the episodes exist. So it's like there's versions of the episode that exist in one printing that have, say, uh, you know, Lorenzo Music doing uh you know voices right but then it's like the there's a same syndicated release that has dave coulier doing venkman right and so it's yeah. like there's episodes that have the tahiti music that was in the original airings but then that's removed because they didn't have the rights for it in syndication so it's replaced with original series music and so it's like to ever get a full yeah. actual like you know canon release of what was on television versus what was produced in post-production i don't know it can be done at this point, um, no, you know. they they just didn't anticipate it very well. Is the problem, and Deke, I don't think has the same archival approach to the world that say, um, like <laughs> like like Hanna Barbera does, or right. something like that. Or more to the point, Hanna Barbera got bought up by Warner Brothers mm-hmm. so long ago that Warner just held it. So that's that's where I end up comparing things is Scooby Doo to real Ghostbusters because Scooby Doo they just they always keep finding ways to put out better and better versions of everything. And I think right. you're right. Like not only that too, like that time life set, I think they were taking them off of broadcast masters where they could, which is yes. not bad. It right. certainly, and not only that, it certainly lends itself to doing a Blu-ray edition because the broadcast master is slightly better than what a DVD will give you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot, but a little, or there's a little to be crunched out of it. That's for sure. Boy, it'd be way less discs too, which would be a lot better. <laughs> but they didn't have all of them, right? Like Real Ghostbusters suffered from a bit of its own uh, BBC Doctor Who crisis, where sure. they just didn't have or like broadcast prints or the original film prints or anything like that anymore. So the best they could do was somebody's really good high def mm-hmm. SVHS copy, or right? And and what's weird is when you go back to those, you know, if you if you get access to those broadcast masters, not that I would know anything about that, um, but um, what's fun is that you can dig around in those, and there's like the old commercials that aired. Yeah, still for the there, syndicated right? stuff. They're still in there. So it's like there's a Twizzlers commercial that like shows up. There's like Daniel yeah. Fishel's first commercial appearance uh, who went on to become Topanga from Boy Meets World. She's like in some uh, like magic nursery babies ad for Mattel, <laughs> you know, like in, in between like Slimer uh, showing up on screen. And it's very weird, but uh, it is it's like that's how they made that whole DVD set was to go back to like syndication libraries. And yeah. 
pull the stuff from there because they didn't have the originals. They went and got copies of copies. So there's there's other stuff that I remain hopeful for. Just to keep keep it on the theme of what you asked me, so it it's not yeah. Just sorry, rambling. I am totally rambling, but I'm going to try. That's to okay. I rambled too. <laughs> is um um for example the original the if the best quality copies they could take of the real Ghostbusters, I think in the next five or so years is going to benefit potentially from um upscaling technology yeah. too, which I think will be really great. Uh, but unfortunately then to follow along that train of thought uh extreme ghostbusters won't um i remember um you see it a bit if you watch the youtube ones they were uploading but uh here in canada i believe it's ctv the our, uh, the national station ctv has its online that you can go watch stuff and they have the extreme ghostbusters library there gotcha and you watch it and it's a pretty pretty good quality copy but that's it, well, let's put it this way. It's better than we were watching it on our TVs when it aired. And it's definitely better than on the VHS that they put out. The trouble is, is that's where you also realize that that show was made kind of at the dawn of uh, digital cells. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a very good reason why you've never seen anybody selling extreme ghostbuster <laughs> right. cells because it was like all a done, printout <laughs> that's right it's all done digitally and the thing was is at the time for whatever reason they weren't um they weren't doing the aliasing on the uh the on the the art so lines if you look at them close enough are very crisp and jagged rather than smooth lines right and i've tried some experiments where you feed that into these upscaling things and all they do is they're they think it's perfect because if they see, they don't care if it's a crisp, clean, straight line or if it's mm-hmm. a jagged line, they still see it as a perfect line and don't do anything with it. There's no interpolation of this weird jagged gotcha. line. So we're never going to get a smoother version of Extreme Ghostbusters. So. But um, yeah, I, and I, I wonder how much like I it would be interesting because like you have to at this point, you would have to upscale. Um, even like real Ghostbusters, because you couldn't go back and like recreate it, right? It was kind of strange no. to think about, it, but it's like all of that is uh, lost, right? It's like it's just it's even to the extent that like some of it's on eBay <laughs> in bits and pieces you can find. Like yeah. here's a random a random frame of this cartoon that has you know. I always wonder how that happens. Like, is it just like some company comes in and buys it all up when they liquidate a place like that, or like? Is it, I mean, there's just so many of those cells out there that honestly, so how did they, back know? then, a lot of the time the stories were is tossed and people would even retrieve them from garbage bins. Right. Like, yeah, people had the foresight to know that this stuff was good stuff to hold on to for whatever reasons. And, yeah, sometimes just walked off with sometimes friends of friends. Hey, we're getting rid of this stuff. Do you want it? All that stuff. And, yeah, we can't go back to the original cells. The best you could probably do is if they transferred it to film first which they must mm-hmm. have so they did the frame by frame capture onto god what would you even do for tv i guess just 35 millimeter and then transfer that to <laughs> yeah, videotape right. it. so the best we could hope for is that there are 35 millimeter prints out there or but i don't i don't think so i think if they ever <laughs> did that those are long gone too right so yeah, no, I think I think you're probably right. You know, and so that's just like that's the strangest thing to me is that the only way to make that content any better is to um, to somehow upscale it or to run it through algorithms that are going to yeah. add more pixels. And you know that's, what? that's to yeah. me is I want I want those cartoons to be uh, formatted so that when I watch them on a like a giant 
digital 4K television. It isn't trying on its own to do some work to stretch that image. Yeah. And then just taking some, you know, design for four by three, like 320 by 400 thing, just distorting the hell out of it. Let's 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 be honest, though. So if you look at deep fake technology, which is here's a whole big data set of somebody's face and the AI learns, well, this is what their eyes look like. This is what their nose looks like. This is what the blah, 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 blah. This is what it looks like when they start interacting and all that. And then it maps it over into somebody else's. It's pretty uncanny it works pretty well you'd almost think it'd be pretty easy then to go here is a like you the most you'd have to do is either find their the character reference sheets and stuff like that Mm -hmm. if they're sufficiently detailed enough and if they're not available if you got an artist to do it you could feed in here's what the Ghostbusters look like here's what they're here's how their eyes are drawn when they're in close up and stuff like that right in, in at best detail and all that and then you feed in the episodes and it learns you know well the the blue with the pink with the uh, yellow hair is Egon etc and it starts learning that there is room and not terribly <laughs> difficult compared to some of the other stuff we're watching you know, right these, these the software do these days to to feed it in and it just sharpens it up like right uh, stuff. If we, we overtrain could... it, though, it becomes self-aware and it starts producing its own series. Right. And it's well, like that's the, the realist next... Ghostbusters. <laughs> now, before you, you, you poo poo the idea, I'm pretty sure if it could be done, that's that's good money for Sony. New episodes. <laughs> How hard? Well, that'd, be, that'd be fun. Get uh, J. Michael Straczynski back to write some episodes, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that there we might upset some of the art crowd if we start being like AI animated cartoon series. It's fine. No, <laughs> like, <laughs> we must we must enjoy all the AI before it <laughs> inhabits a robot body and kills us all. Um, yeah. Anyways, as it, as it continues to learn how to make <laughs> the most disturbing artwork possible by stealing from people. <laughs> uh, the best Better, the better direction, I think, is uh, I've been watching um, the Puss in Boots movie that just came out is, from what I can see, kind of the pinnacle of this thing that computer generated uh, animations been doing, which was uh, trying to reach the point where you could bring back in artistic styles like you see in the concept art. Gotcha. Uh, rather than having to take people's concept art and then kind of interpret it because the computers can only do X, Y, and Z, but now you can build the shaders and all that so that the watercolor concept art that they did can actually be the look and the style of the movie sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and in the last few years, a lot of animated movies have, have, have finally hit that point where, so I think that would almost be better too. Like I'd really like to see, yeah see somebody take the real Ghostbusters style kind of upscale it a bit, so to speak, you know, at least as a, as a style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, then like be able to take that back into the computer world and uh, the and animate out stories that way. There's that's, that's the thing that's driving me nuts right now is speaking of looking ahead is, you know, the animated two animated uh, things going on. What was it, the movie in a series that they keep kind of, yeah, talking about, and I'm never sure if they're talking about the same thing or if they're keeping them separate or what. But 
we have no idea what that means. Like, what, no, is it, it going to be Fast and Furious, like kind of Netflix <laughs> animation? That's really it's okay. First, but hang it's, on for a second. I just did Fast and Furious Ghostbusters in my brain. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm down for that, too. <laughs> it's about family. That's right. Sli- Slimer. <laughs> it's about family. <laughs> um, and they're like racing Ecto ones. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Uh, but yeah, other than hopes and dreams of what's coming, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just, it's not really a strong hope and dream. I just want to see more Ghostbusters stuff happen. We're now comfortably at this point where I don't really feel like I need to invest myself into anything. It's If they're going to, uh, whatever comes, I'll just take it at face value. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of into the whole where Star Trek is at. That yeah. I just want to see them make more stuff, uh, and whoever the the creative brains are behind them, I want to see them have their take on it and go for it. And I don't have to get fighty about the stuff that's not my bag. I'll just yeah. take it and leave it as it comes. So no, that's a gonna, smart way to put it. If they're going to do you know the kids cartoon like they did Prodigy, uh, maybe I'll dig it, maybe I won't, but I I don't care. Um, I'll 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 take away from it what I like and right. Uh, basically what it is is my comic reader training is is uh coming to the fore now now is the time to apply it that i don't have to treat the content that's created as binary mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be i love it or i hate it there's right. lots of room for because i've read lots of comics over the years especially especially somebody who whose peak in comic reading and collecting was the late 80s and the early 90s like <laughs> this is some horrendous art but there is or sometimes like the writing's not great but you know the set pieces yeah. that one set piece was awesome or whatever right like i can pick and choose where I, where i like it's it, so that's that's a good that's way of putting kind of, it. That's kind of where I'm at, right? Like that's no, I like that. That's a good way of putting it. I think the Star Trek analogy is good because, like, I was never going to sit down and watch Star Trek Prodigy. I'll be honest. I like, I was like, this isn't for me. This is some like little kid show on on you know Nickelodeon. And then I ended up seeing that you know Admiral Janeway was in it, and I was like, well, what is right. that? About? What like what's happening? What's what is this show about? And I had to go look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out. But and I still like now I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not really a show for me. It's a show for kids, but. It's kind of cool that these characters live on in a capacity, you know, like. Yeah, I I think I think we as fans just need to learn that everybody. This is the thing that was well established a long time ago is that Ghostbusters touched a lot of people. Touched is actually really too much of an emotional word. Everybody has a touched by an angel. No, not touched, (laughs) but um, everybody knows Ghostbusters and generally has at least a positive rate, you know. Uh, regard for it sort of thing which means then that you know after pushing you know almost 40 years here that's at least two or three generations of kids that uh you know have seen it grown up and now maybe in a position to work on something related to it which means a lot of different individuals are bringing their version of what they love about it to the thing they're doing right um and I'm I'm all I'm all for that, right? Like yeah. uh, going back to the Star Trek thing, the lower deck 
really kind of infuriated a lot of uh, longtime fans. But then mm-hmm. watching it, and they went to, to Deep Space Nine, and you're like, every episode is a dead giveaway. But this episode in particular tells you that this is a writer's room of people that were of this sweet spot of an age when Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. was on, and they love it to death, and they love Star yeah. Trek. And it's irreverent, and if you think too hard, no, you can't make it fit perfectly with the rest of Star Trek canon, but if you just relax a bit on the jokes they're telling and look more at the big picture stories they're telling, it does all still fit in the Star Trek universe and they're doing really cool stuff. And I'm like, that's what I'm hopeful for, for Ghostbusters is, you know, we got the one movie out, we got a second one coming and probably leading on to more as a, you know, they continue to, to keep this one rolling then after this next one, they're probably going to feel comfortable with how they're going to want to move into the animated stuff and like the series stuff. Um, yeah. At that point, just let the floodgates open, right? If, if anybody can convince Sony that they've got a pretty good idea for Ghostbusters, run with it. You and I were talking mm-hmm. about this before we got started too, right? Like if anybody's like, I've got a, a creepy, you know, slasher film Ghostbusters. Well, why not? All those slasher films, half of them were weirdly supernatural anyway. So, yeah, go do it. And while it won't be as, you know, funny as the original movie and all that, guess what? World's filled with slasher movie fans who also happen to love Ghostbusters. So why right. let them have their thing? Yeah. Um, kids can have their cartoons. Hard horror fans can have theirs. Comedy fans can have theirs. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. That's that's it. That's what I'm hopeful for. That I and just... going back to Scooby-Doo, I'm staring at my... The cardboard mystery <laughs> machine that they put out. And that was the last edition they put out before they started to get into the newer cartoons. Yeah. And that that mystery machine, if you open it up, has like a couple of seasons, like five or six season sets of the old classic Scooby-Doo set into this thing. So what I'm saying, Sony, is if you hear me, I'd like an, an ecto cardboard ecto case about this big <laughs> with all the movies in it. That's what I yeah. want. Yeah, I would take that or I would take an expanded firehouse and give me that real t- the time life collection firehouse oh. that they made. But like, just yeah. like double its size and make it bigger. <laughs> That's right. Well, actually, the best part is if you think about it, you know what? Let's just go. Okay, so once the cartoon one, no, it's for each set. Forget it. We're going to have to, sorry, kids, we're all going to have to drop 60 bucks on <laughs> seven or eight individual sets. So one is a cardboard Ecto, and it's got the first movie in it, and that's it. And it's 60 bucks, but you're going to buy it. And then the second one is the Ecto-1A, and it'll have Ghostbusters 2, and then we'll do Answer the Call, and we'll do Afterlife, and they're going to have a nice new pretty one in the new movie, and then there's going to have to be an Ecto that fits all of the real Ghostbusters, and then one that fits all of the extreme Ghostbusters. And if they get... Wait, then, then there's a collector's box that you buy that is a giant firehouse that all of those Ectos all fit those inside fit in. of. Right. <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever make it that far, but but I the idea of having so what is that about let's say twelve inches long, yeah. I guess a slot from the the back in maybe a little bit of an angle, and it has, <laughs> doesn't have to be super detailed. Like I say, this thing could be like just kind of a good packaging cardboard, but to have all of these ectos lined up, each one of them reflecting the the product that's that's tucked away inside. Oh, that would just be. All right, but here's the question. Chef's kiss. If you if you buy it, will you open it? 
No, because I have 18 other copies of everything I just bought, and I'll just watch right, that fo- instead. Follow-up question. Follow-up yes. question. <laughs> Would you open it if given the opportunity to shrink wrap it? Oh, well, there's a thought. <laughs> there's a thought. <laughs> For those of you listening out there who are like, what are you talking about? I'm just gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go figure that out and out on your own. Just go find the episodes of the crossfit where Chris talks about shrink wrapping mm. things. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The Ecto might be too weird of a shape. I'm looking at the mystery machine, and now that you've mentioned it, I may go shrink wrap that mystery machine after we're done talking here. Because <laughs> essentially is what they made is like they made a they made a box and then and then and then dressed up the outside to look like the mystery machine. I have to say, I can shrink wrap that. I, I'm not <laughs> supposed to know it yet because it's pre Christmas. But my sister sent a Christmas gift here, and it was shipped in the box that it was. You know, oh. it was like, hey, we didn't. We just left thanks, it. And, hey, it's hol- yeah. thanks, Amazon. Thanks, <laughs> Amazon. It's holiday season. Here's your item. <laughs> thanks. That's really helpful. Uh, so I know that I got a vacuum sealer. Uh, to go ah. like that sucks at I'm like this is the shrink wrap of food of food yes exactly <laughs> do you want to keep these marshmallows for a really long time well you're, just you're laughing but this holiday season we ended up uh, just before Halloween we ended up down in the states and we came back we picked up some Halloween cereal because yeah. we don't get a lot of the Halloween cereals here in Canada some right. of them but not all of them and then when they were done I was like these are really great I kind of want to hold on to them so today just today I shrink wrapped my family size Kellogg's spooky marshmallow Fruit Loops. I've so been I shocked get... by this, and I'm dropping things on the ground and making podcast noise. So, so you know, call me in another year. I may have a whole that shelf is of nothing. But... Like a fam- that is like a Costco size box of Fruit Loops that you shrink wrapped. I shrink wrapped it. Look at that. And it's like a holly. He's wearing a witch costume. I know. I know. I've it's never perfect. seen that. That may be what, so that might be my new collecting thing here is to. Do you know, honestly, what you're going to, this is like an idea for you. And this is, you could take this and run with it or I don't sure. know if we'll this in the podcast or not, <laughs> but um, what you need to do with that at some point when you like having, you've had enough of all of your shrink wrap cereal boxes and your things, mm-hmm. you need to put that on eBay for set dressers. Oh yeah. Cause like, cause that's who will buy that from you later on. It's like somebody needs to stage a set yeah. for like a, a 1990s like <laughs> in like a kitchen they like just buy your cereal boxes from you and <laughs> yeah i can't think of a more depressing email or brainogram or whatever it is when i'm retired that somebody says yes we're doing a period piece set in 2022 can we buy that <laughs> off you i'm like Ugh, yeah all right dude it's funny to say this but like my brother uh one of the things he does is uh, a side hustle is that he does thrifting and things mm-hmm. and he has done this he, he buys um old laundry detergent that he finds at garage sales that's been discontinued oh. and it's in period specific boxes and he buys it and puts it on ebay and no joke he sells it to set dressers in hollywood who pay him a ridiculous amount of money because like, we need a 1970s box of all that yeah you can <laughs> like a you, 1986 box of tide that he found at some like salvage you know so they just cleaned out somebody's it's a you know estate sale so it's just like everybody's everything from the basement is on the lawn and he just like uh, yeah i'll give you 50 cents for that old box of detergent <laughs> like <laughs> you can derail me in in uh, a movie set in like uh you know the 40s 50s 60s 70s at this point at this rate, even the eighties, I can't watch man, the original man, uh, uh, Michael Mann's uh, Manhunter. Gotcha. Without getting completely derailed when he goes to the grocery store with his son and they walk down the cereal aisle 
and there's <laughs> there's gremlin cereal and mr yeah. t cereal and et cereal and i'm just <sighs> like I, i'll stare at old packaging all day long what is the other one uh, chucky chucky is yeah. infamous for having real ghostbusters toys in the background right. yeah or and the greatest of them all is the toy with richard pryor where they're let loose in the toy department uh, yeah. at the store after hours. And you can see Migos, and they have a giant display case for, I guess, the Atari system, where oh, you yeah. can flick switches and just try all the different games on this. Mat. It's like, oh, I could stare at that <laughs> stuff all day. But yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm just between this and my trading card uh, boxes. Also yeah. shrink wrapped. You'll be happy to know. So <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> like that you basically have a shrink wrap empire. I love it. But yeah, I was well. thinking, um, like we should move into talking about this episode because we've been sure. talking about it, which is because I, I always love talking to you. But um, before we do, the last thing I was going to say is my thing I think of is almost like a cheat is that when you watch um, Kindergarten Cop, the yeah. kid's bedroom has tons of real Ghostbusters stuff in it. His sheets are real Ghostbusters. And I'm like, hey, come on. This is an Ivan Reitman picture. That seems like a little, you know, tongue-in-cheek yeah. maybe. Or <laughs> like, what was but, the Dustin Hoffman one? Hero? And the kid's watching Ghostbusters on TV or something? Yeah, he, I think He has so. a poster as well. Yeah, just that stuff's great. That stuff's yeah. really great. There's so many ways that it's fitted things. I should make, We should make that like a a contest out there in the world. Like find the most esoteric reference to Ghostbusters in a movie. That'd be um, the weirdest coffee table book ever. It's just screen grabs <laughs> of movies that features real Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters somewhere. Yeah. Be so just random references. That'd be good. <laughs> it'd be, I would, I would, I would buy, I would read that. We would I'm buy it. That's, that's I would the totally sad part. That. Is... <laughs> that would be in my holiday gift guide for 2023. <laughs> All right. Titan, Titan, we have an idea for a book. <laughs> on that note shall we uh take a look at xmas marks this yeah, together let's do it so if you're listening at home right now and you want to participate as chris and i do this little commentary on xmas marks the spot it's season one episode 13 of the real ghostbusters there's a couple ways that you can do that uh one is if you're an amazon prime member you can certainly go and get access to it just by going to your amazon prime account and loading up the season on there and watching it if you're not an Amazon Prime member, Real Ghostbusters is on Crackle.com for free. Uh, you do have to watch ads, which will make it a pain in the butt for you listening to a commentary because you'll probably have to like click pause on the commentary as you watch it. But you can, in fact, watch it for free on Crackle. So I checked that out before we did this. If you're listening either way, uh, you're going to want to sync up like literally to the black screen right before Stay Puff begins walking in the theme music. So uh, if you're for some reason have the DVDs at home or something, uh, because you've got the time life collection and you're really cool. That's awesome. Uh, but you're, that's your point to jump in is when stay puff begins walking. Cause we're going to do it right from the beginning of the episode. So we will literally watch the credits and then we'll get into the episode. So, uh, okay. Chris, does that about cover everything we need to tell people before we start watching something? I can't I think so. Yeah. Okay. I can no longer see you cause I'm now sharing my screen. So, um, <laughs> if you want to say something, that means don't wave. Cause I won't know. Uh, okay. Just be loud. Just be like, I have words. That's the only <laughs> that's the only setting I have, so it'll be fine. Awesome. All right, and I believe this should now work. Let's find out. Prepare to watch along. All right, there we go. I uh, believe I can see that. Can you see that, Chris? I can totally see that. 
All right, cool. So Stay Puff's walking down the street and he's doing his second hop. So if you're just joining in, he's behind the logo. Um, there's uh, Janine, <laughs> a.k.a. Love That Laura on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Laura Summer, who has amazingly donated her time to uh, record a uh, an awesome audio commercial for this podcast for our giveaway recently. And if you are listening to this podcast and you haven't gone and liked the uh, video that's been made for her of uh, her doing a voice for the new video game Spirits Unleashed, go do that because we're, you know, fans should try and get Ilphonic to put her in that game. That would be rad. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that the beginning of this episode was you. You were like uh, Frank Burns in that one episode of MASH where they got lost and he's talking into the radio. There's a jet overhead. <laughs> It'll be right overhead now. <laughs> that is partially because I've been playing Spirits Unleashed. There and I'm like, go. he's on the third floor now. He's in the bathroom. He's <laughs> like constant commentary. We're at J. The... Michael Straczynski says this is his favorite episode, by the way, of the real Ghostbusters. I was reading that uh, today. Yeah. Well, I mean, what writer doesn't want to do their take on... Uh... Yeah. On the classic uh, Dickens tale, right? So yeah, when he says Dickens is one of his favorite authors, so he was excited to do it. So that yeah, that um, that 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 explains a lot then. So if you're listening to this with the volume turned up higher than we have, you can hear the music in the background by the band Tahiti, um, who were featured in season one of the Real Ghostbusters, and there was actually a cassette tape that had their music on it that has been like lost to the ages. So um, hmm. I wish I had it. I don't. If you have one, I would love to get a copy. <laughs> This is, they didn't leave the city a lot in the cartoon. No. I mean, later on, they did more and more, but. Yeah. It feels like you could count the episodes, like, on a couple of hands pretty easy. I like this is the idea, like, they went upstate, right? Because, like, the whole concept of upstate New York is, like. Yeah. It must be some other country. (laughs) It's like, upstate New York is always conceptualized as if it's, like, some strange forest land. It's like, nah, dude, it's, like, 25 minutes outside the city and then beyond. Like some of it's like that, but not all of it. Yeah. I also like yeah. the suggestion that the Ecto uh, doesn't have a very good heater. <laughs> yeah. They're all still dressed in their winter weather gear. Yeah. The Ecto has the most amazing snow tires anyone's ever seen, by the way, because I, I don't know a Cadillac that can actually run like this in the snow. No. I mean, it's got the weight, but unless it has the tire, then, you know, look, at, <laughs> actually, it looks like it has tank treads. Looking at the art. It does. Like, that's a, the animators were like, it's a tank now. <laughs> <laughs> so of course the plot of this episode is that peter doesn't really care much about christmas as they're going into this uh onto this bust and uh that that is of course flipped we'll see and by the end of the episode how much what peter went, cares but what was with ray's eyeballs there for a second that was <laughs> i don't know <laughs> a little terrifying he's like i'm kind of screwed up <laughs> i love animation errors and this stuff that's old though it's fun yeah so how do you just suddenly like wow all of a sudden that just appeared where would there there was some snow and then there was all these houses like yeah well i mean time slips are a thing but time slips and like geography slips are not are big yeah like I mean, where did that entire town go is sort of my point. <laughs> it's yeah, it's one it's one thing it's one thing to slip from uh you know, from modern England to old England or something, because there's lots of weird little stories about stuff yeah. like that happening, but <laughs> oh wow. Like, <laughs> that is not a turkey. 
No, that's not even like they cracked an egg open and took that out. (laughs) Like there's a chance that might be a rat with some some real creative cutting going on. Even the child in the scene is incredibly small. He's just had it. Look at how small tiny Tim is. He's just incredibly tiny. (laughs) Although I have to say, I do love this episode as much as we're kind of make poking fun at it. Um, and it became the official like Christmas episode of this series. They aired it in 1994 and 1995 as a standalone yeah. thing at the Christmas season. So they didn't do like they've done two, three Halloween episodes. Like yeah. I mean, they had their big Halloween special, but they also did a couple episodes that were Halloween themed. So that was Jacob Marley, right? And like that's the last time we're going to see him in this episode. <laughs> Like we later on, we're gonna deal with this whole restoring the ghosts thing, right? Let's let's but, be uh, yeah. They don't put well, we frankly, don't you don't, him. You don't need like, him. He's already done what he needed to do, right? So you can right. capture and put him away. That's not a problem. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Like he shows up, he's like, "You'll be visited by three ghosts." Then all three ghosts show, show up, up at once. The same t- well, <laughs> you only got twenty two minutes to wrap this up, like. <laughs> Imagine trying to structure it where they come back. Okay, we'll, we got one. We'll see you in an hour. Yeah, but imagine how different the episode would be if, like, Jacob Marley left, and they're like, what is this guy doing? And they ran after him instead. <laughs> Just... <laughs> what do you... I was trying to think. Like, the suggestion is that he comes back from... In the original story, it's morning time, so... And that yeah. the, the warning comes at... The first one visits at midnight, so... yeah. Boy, that's got to be at least two and a half hours between each ghost. Three hours, maybe? Yeah, like... <laughs> it's, it's ghost oh, layover. <laughs> you gotta... Yeah, you absolutely have to put them all in one room so you can trap them quick. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, this episode would be like, you need to make it literally like a two-hour Christmas movie. <laughs> so, yeah, if you didn't pick up on this somehow, if you're not paying attention, those were the ghosts of pre- Christmas present, past, and future. Yeah. Um, and now they've been put in the box. So this is, of course, Ebenezer Scrooge, who's um, now not getting his, you know, his Christmas miracle lesson. I've learned nothing. Yeah. He doesn't even want to pay them. Like, <laughs> just like he's like, he didn't want to pay them. He's like, wait, you charge for this service? <laughs> what? What kind of bastards are you? <laughs> Which is funny, because traditionally and canonically, Peter's solution to this problem is, well, we'll just let him go again. Right. You break him. Oh, wait. which they'd suggest they're going to do right, right there. And he exactly. turns around. And he's like, here, I'll give you like this much money. I'm, I'm fine. I'll give you just this little peck pittance. And I always think this is funny is at first they're mad. And then Ray realizes what, is, what it is. And he's like, whoa, this is worth a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, shut up. Look at this. <laughs> it's genuine men gem 10 condition. <laughs> that is hilarious Ray spends a lot of time on eBay he's uh, looking up coin values <laughs> let's see here so to me this is kind of funny right that like he's like not so powerful as I thought as if like he had before heard of these ghosts and knew that they were potentially powerful before they showed up. And he's oh, like, yeah. now I'll have my revenge on you because you're not so powerful. And you're like, but they just left with those guys in a box. Like, An odd little touch on Straczynski's part that 
the first it, like Christmas Carol was pr- uh, published in 1843. Yeah, but he decided the coin was from six years earlier. Like that's a weird yeah. like that. That seems like you're making a kids' cartoon. It's an easy date to put in is to just date the coin the year the the original story came out. <laughs> and no, right. he got he got really into it. And was like, nope. This would be a 1937 coin. He's like, look, the coin needs time to circulate so we can That's get right. Ebenezer Scrooge's hands. Why okay? would he have a 1943 coin? And let's be real. He'd have it from <laughs> six years before because he doesn't spend his money because he's a miser. So it, clearly he'd be holding on to it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so this is now the universe without Christmas, right? Because they've all because now this is the part that's fun about this episode is that um, the episode decides that Ebenezer Scrooge and Charles Dickens are the same person. <laughs> and because Ebenezer Scrooge now, which we're going to see in a moment, wrote a book called The Christmas Humbug, as opposed to Ebenezer Scrooge right. writing, a, writing a Christmas carol, like the entire world thinks Christmas is stupid and no one celebrates it. <laughs> like, I also like the idea that he can write a book in a hundred years later, people are using the book for their slang still. Merry <laughs> yeah. Christmas, bah humbug. Bah humbug, yeah. Like, that's what stuck. The Christmas tradition became hating Christmas. <laughs> yeah, re- remember from all the Shakespeare we've read that how much we go around saying forsooth, so. <laughs> to me, it's kind of like the atheist who's very devout. Right? It's like, you're not supposed to have a belief. That's the way atheism works. Like, not, I believe there is nothing to believe in. Like, that's, that's I also want to know. Yeah. I also want to know what, what Scientology level writing he came up with that this book <laughs> is still like, it's December. So we're putting piles of them outside on the street for people to buy. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas humbug is the Dianetics of the, the di- world without the three Christmas ghosts. That's right. <laughs> oh, That's amazing. Like, what is his message that it gripped people this this hard? Yeah. Like, what was it? Like, what was it? Like, Christmas is the worst thing ever. People who give to other people are fools. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't be a rube. <laughs> I haven't seen this in so long. Oh, do they have to go in and retrieve it? The ghost? Yeah. Oh. yeah no, Egon's going to go inside the containment unit. It's that, the first I'd time we see it inside, about I that. think. I haven't seen this in so long. Yeah, no, he's going to, like, we're actually going to see a Ghostbuster inside the containment unit universe. And it's kind of funny. That, I, was yes. talking with my, I was talking with my partner about this because she's, like, never, she's not really a Ghostbusters fan. Like, she's, will put up with it and she'll put on a flight suit and hang out with me. But we watched this the other day and she goes, this was so scary to me as a kid. And I was like this. And she goes, yeah, the inside of the containment unit was really creepy to me. That's like, wow, really? <laughs> so. So, yeah, here's Christmas, right? Like everybody hates each other and they're out humbugging each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just New York all year round. So, yeah, clearly, you know, <laughs> just how it is. You can't tell people, a bunch of people, people yelling at ice. one another, sticking their dogs on them. This, as a mayor of New York City once said, uh, treating other people like dirt, being miserable is every New Yorker's God-given right. <laughs> I like how they're they're untouched, but Janine and Slimer. Yeah, well, that's like that whole Star Trek concept of being inside the temporal bubble, right? That protects yeah. you from the changes in the timeline. But what I like is that 
Like, you'd think writing something that wipes Christmas off the cultural map would maybe have a, a more significant butterfly effect than just <laughs> everything's the same, but everybody hates Christmas. Like, a right. hundred years and Christmas gets eradicated. I think it maybe would have changed the shape of at least one of the world wars. And yeah, I mean, or just the the way that, you know, the, the capital economy works for, for right? material like, and mar- mercantile goods. <laughs> The wrapping paper industry, <laughs> like you know, the occasional Christmas armistice and ceasefire is never yeah, happened. It never and... happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It would be pretty. Su- hey, look, this is the kind of thing Doctor Who handles all the time, right? That's why there's a Christmas episode every year because in Doctor Who universe, Christmas like is universal. It's throughout the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Man. this is like fun now, right? Man. They're gonna go back out. To try and go and like get back to the time slip, right? Um, because she's gonna go, he's gonna go inside the containment unit, and of course, I, this is consistent. She loves Egon regardless of Christmas. <laughs> but, um, I was I was reading earlier today that there's deleted scenes of this, and apparently really? Slimer wants to go with them in the uh, like it's storyboard deleted. Right. And Slimer wants to go with them on this adventure to go pretend to be ghosts. And Ray tells him, no, you're not convincing enough. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets mad and flies away. And then there's an alternate take of this scene where they're getting back to the um, time slip. In the original storyboard, they drove the Ecto-1 back through the time slip. And it's like racing through horses and buggies and like disturbing everything in the city. But for whatever reason, they chose to cut that from whether animation costs or whatever. And so it just became the Ghostbusters walking back through the time slip. But there are storyboards you can find on Ghostbusters wiki. If you go to check out this episode there, where mm. some of this info is coming from. And some of it is called from the, uh, the real Ghostbusters, uh, the time life collection. Cause there is a yeah. J Michael Straczynski intro for that, for this episode. This it's a is little, fun. a little weird that they decided that they had like once time travels involved. <laughs> yeah. Surely, once time travel's involved, you don't have to go pretend to be the ghosts. You can just <laughs> get the ghosts back, then solve the problem. Right. <laughs> so conveniently, he has now lost his glasses. Um. What is is he wearing like one of the Ecto One's lights on his head? Like what is that? It's like a big blue siren light or something. <laughs> He's just like covered in flares and like <laughs> Which that's just burning magnesium. That wouldn't uh, yeah. be a problem, right? He's basically a wrestler right now. He's got his own pyros. <laughs> he could come out and do like, oh, this is one of my favorite things in the entire episode. Either going to use a viewmaster. Yeah. <laughs> Still photography will save the day. Which is one that makes perfect sense in the 80s, but I don't totally know if that does. makes sense to anybody anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, here's Egon. He's got one hour to go inside the containment unit before he'll be trapped inside forever. I was thinking about this the other day, the number of times that Egon in this series is potentially almost trapped as a ghost forever. <laughs> like It's like at least five or six. Like, yeah, exactly. 
this is very uh very 80s effect right here <laughs> we're going inside of a computer or something So I guess in the original storyboards, Janine watched from an observation room and not from upstairs. There was a supposed to be like an observation room for the containment unit next door and they wrote it out and didn't do it. Wow. Oh, yeah, they put so much thought into the containment unit in the cartoon. Yeah. Well, it's like a whole universe. Well, yeah. It's which like, makes sense, you know? right? It, it, they've made a pocket universe, which is actually incredible in its own right. Yeah. But it, whereas in the movies, it's like, what's the containment unit? Lasers. <laughs> All right. It's a laser grid. How does that work? They're in a grid. <laughs> it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Another five years and kids are going to think they put a VR uh, headset on them, which actually works no, on real. just as well. Right. What's as funny is he's <laughs> running him around in circles, right? Like as if he's flying him, he's looking at a still image and you're like, so did he, did, does he not? grasp this concept like <laughs> is he the dumbest old rich guy ever <laughs> i also love the suggestion that there's viewmaster reels of places yeah. ebenezer scrooge grew up <laughs> right. in like that's yeah, just dude. that's just on a shelf at the real ghostbusters headquarters <laughs> somewhere it's like, they went down to, no i ran out of kb toys and they were like here's the scrooge set <laughs> <laughs> The history of Ebenezer Scrooge. Egon, Egon's got like a weird file of of scenarios. Like, see, this makes more sense now because like she's looking in this goggle thing, right? Like she's like, which why would that ever be at her desk? She was yeah. like, let's go upstairs and watch on the monitor. And now, yeah, that see, it's like, so it's weird. There's just like a monitor upstairs for some reason. Yeah, well, there's also that's again, it's kind of about the size of the. Uh, the containment unit that yeah. whatever apparatus apparatus taps in and views the containment unit carries on upstairs. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> you can't, you can't put it. Although I think in some episodes, if I recall correctly, you could look in right there at the, yeah, there's like a viewing window or something. Yeah. Like I thought, but there's literally, well, again, it's, the power of storytelling. Oh, for sure. It's a cartoon. We're allowed. Car- you know, to- <laughs> Slimer, Slimer can't be in, in jeopardy downstairs if Janine's there to see it. She has to be right. somewhere else. So, no, ex- oh, I the think viewing's that's exactly, upstairs. That's probably <laughs> exactly why they made that change. Right? Exactly. It's like, why couldn't she just walk in the room? And be like, it, yeah, What's the problem? Right. It's a cartoon. You can be a little Because he does spend most of the episode, like, you know, trying not to get <laughs> <laughs> sucked into the containment unit. Like, <laughs> the, I did. Oh, Sam, Sam, Sam Hain makes a cameo in the Christmas episode. Wow. <laughs> so he's using the fire extinguisher there, but in the original storyboards, he first tries to slime the machine to cool it off with his own ectoplasm, and then he gets buckets of water before wow. resorting to the fire wow. extinguisher. So that's, it was a longer sequence originally. That's a bad idea. I just want to point out, Winston has some amazing grip strength. Yes, definitely. Like, Winston cracks open walnuts with his the palm of his hand. Is- <laughs> Yeah, the this is the I remember watching this and it's like, okay, the the Doctor Strange floating Yeah rocks make sense. What is the piping for? Like is <laughs> Right. <laughs> I wanna know what they were doing. They were all just kinda like sitting around on that little island of uh, you know, granite, and I'm like they just hanging out, like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> like <laughs> I do like that their old foes 
yeah. cameo in this thing. That's that was a nice touch. So the original take of this apparently in the storyboards was that he gets them in the trap at that point. And when he puts them in the trap and activates the trap and says, jump inside, that's the thing that causes all the other ghosts attention because they recognize the funnel of the trap. Right. But instead, they simplified it and just said, like, hey, come with me. And then he gets them through this whole, you know, the the door of the containment unit. But originally he would have trapped them inside, which also is weird. Like, how would he trap them inside the containment (laughs) unit? Because that's like a trap within a big trap. But um, the original storyboards had him trapping inside the containment unit. And that would be the thing that caused all those ghosts to chase them. So. All right. So all those real Ghostbuster cosplayers out there, you know, the Ecto-Go cosplayers. Ecto Glow cosplayer and all that. Somebody's yeah. got to do Egon's uh, con- like that containment suit. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. I want to see somebody do all three of these ghosts. <laughs> That's, I want to see them at like some Christmas parade. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Now you've been visited by three humans right. pretending to be ghosts. Here's the real ghosts. So. He doesn't really clarify who he is here. No. But in the storyboards, Egon was going to say he was Jacob Marley. <sighs> Instead, they went a bit with a kind of a back to the future move. <laughs> yeah. But like, I guess the concept was that he would have showed up and said he was Jacob Marley. Right. And instead, yeah. like they watched Jacob Marley just float off at the beginning of the episode and we never see him again. Which would have been a weird one because Jacob Marley was his business partner. So you'd think he would have known what he looked like. Right. (laughs) It would be kind of, he's like, I'm Jacob Marley. He's like, no, you're not. Like, you're lying. (laughs) That's a nice, it's a nice Joni Mitchell moment for, for Peter, I guess. Yeah. It's a little weird. I mean, that's a good one. I didn't know what I had till it was gone sort of thing, but. uh, Yeah. And the original storyboards had them transporting both like they would transport back to the kitchen and the Ecto one and the Ecto two would have been transported back to the garage bay. OK, but point of it. order. He, they brought them back to the fire. Isn't the Ecto one like parked on the roadside in Vermont somewhere? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's the point is like we don't we don't see it. Right. But like in the, the original storyboards handled this continuity problem and said we're going to move like the old thing. They'll be back in the garage with the cars and they'll be in this room. And so, the original storyboard said they were drinking eggnog and not whatever this weird blue liquid is. Uh, Baja Blast or something. like It's just... <laughs> it's Ecto Cooler Blueberry. Or Windex. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's and, literally the, the trouble about making an animated show is, yeah, I'm pretty sure they laid it out and somebody went, yeah, they could put him in the trap, but that's an extra, you know, three seconds right. of, of footage. Of animation. So Right, which is yes, we could show them driving, but yeah, exactly. So let's just cut it down. (laughs) And that's your episode, um, because these are relatively short episodes, but um, it's definitely a fun little romp. I think that I like it. It is it is an is an excellent annual addition to to Christmas. I will say that. Yeah, and as goofy as it is for like blending you know uh Charles Dickens and (laughs) Ebenezer Scrooge into one person in the canon of the world. Um, I, I don't care. <laughs> In the end of the so, day, I'm like, I enjoyed it. <laughs> somebody needs to take this episode and they need to, um, uh, I don't know, hire, uh, hire Maurice LaMarche on cameo or something like that to record some lines. What they need to do is they need to 
have that one, and then have a couple of little quick things of, great, now let's go catch a movie, and then cut to the footage of them <laughs> at the screening of the first Ghostbusters, but instead you insert Ghostbusters 2 footage where they're running around in their, their Santa hats. <laughs> Just... <laughs> That is so inside baseball for fans that I, I love. I, I may have to go do that now. <laughs> yeah. <That's... laughs> I personally, I want to see if we're going to get an animated movie or an animated cartoon show. I want a mm-hmm. new holiday special. I, I do want one. Um, yeah. They don't make Halloween st- or holiday specials enough anymore. And I yeah. absolutely. I think especially because they don't make Christmas specials in, as much anymore because it's like now. And that's like not to be like political about it. It's just much as now the marketplace has shifted such that they try to be more inclusive. So it's like, hey, we'll yeah. do a holiday special as opposed to, hey, we're going to practice one religion and try and market to one group of people. Well, <laughs> so. certainly for if the, you know, if they go to Netflix, Netflix in recent years has really learned to um, uh, continue to drive uh, people to hang on to their subscriptions by taking their favorite shows, but then releasing one offs for for particular holidays. Disney yeah. Plus does the same thing. Uh, even more so like with the guardians of the galaxy Christmas one they just did and all that. So yeah, if they ever end up on Netflix, that would be 100%. They need to, it needs to be written into the budget and the contract that they also do a one-off Halloween one and a one-off Christmas one. I think what we really need is a live action, uh, Christmas special. It's kind of like a star Wars holiday. Spe- <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go one step further. And I think what they need to do is, Ghostbusters version of the Donnie and Marie Star Wars special <laughs> where you just you just take popular singers and actors of today and then swap them into the original roles to tell the story of Ghostbusters. I'm down with I'm that. I'm hitting my mic because I do talk about this. Uh, yeah, no, this would be good. I like that. Be kind of like as opposed to having like Lawrence Welk joins us. It's that's right. <laughs> Lenny Gaga for the story of Xmas marks the spot. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. I would. Hey, that's what we actually need. We need this story, but we need right. this story done as a live action. <laughs> So we don't change anything about Xmas marks the spot in terms of its script, its story, narrative, anything. We just get live actors to do it like it's the live nativity scene down at the church. And Charles Dance as Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) Coming up on the real Ghostbusters Christmas special. Yes, (laughs) I am totally 100 percent down with that. I'm, I'm I support this. I think we need more of it. But no, I this for real. I mean, I think it was fun to sort of go and take a look at this a bit. And we probably spent more time talking about other stuff than we did about this episode. But whatever. Um, <laughs> OK, I'm still thinking about it. The The Ghostbusters need to be played by the voice actors. So Arsenio Hall, Dave Coulier, <laughs> Maurice LaMarche. And who's uh, who's missing here? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we can get Laura Summer to show up and be Janine. That's right. And um, uh, Welker. Welker's still with us. Yeah, we could have him in. Although, actually, it'd be even funnier just to screw things around. And I don't know who you could swap in. Oh, you swap in. <laughs> I don't know who you swap in, but you swap in somebody else for for Ray, and then you have Frank Welker play Ebenezer Scrooge. Just <laughs> get just Tom, so get Tom sorry, Kenny. Get, get Tom right. Kenny, who was like SpongeBob, right? <laughs> <laughs> just just so the, the the message boards could light up with a lot of head scratching. Frank Welker is Ebenezer. I don't understand. 
Well, Frank Welker's old, and having him run around in a special is a little hard. So, so his job is basically to sit there and be like, "No spirits." That's right. <laughs> to sit in a wheelchair and be pushed around a stage. You know what? Actually, a live action telling of Xmas marks the spot. If you punched up the puns and the comedies, would make an amazing Christmas panto play. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, it's time to <laughs> it's time to call up the. Uh, uh, <laughs> It's it's like activating the National Guard. We need to activate the minions of Gozer <laughs> to put on a live action Christmas panto of real Ghostbusters. Oh god, that'd yeah. be so amazing. I'm like I'm telling you, my my version of it, I imagined it kind of being like the drive through nativity scene. Which, uh, I don't know if you have drive through nativities in Canada, but they are a thing here in California. No. No. Well, I mean, we do have some places that do the lights and go all out and you can drive like they're practically uh a drive-through yeah. thing, but uh, sure, sure. Um, let's. <laughs> drive-through nativity is like a you like literally drive to a church and you drive through its driveway and there's like people doing the nativity. Yeah, <laughs> how, how do I how do I put this gently? Our colonial uh, British background means that our strain of Christianity didn't quite develop the same way as American Christianity <laughs> developed. So. You, you used to see nativities, but it's it's more Santas and, and reindeers uh, yeah. rooftops these days up here. So, yeah, and that's <sighs> and that's to be fair. If you're like, hey, I have a drive through nativity at my house <laughs> right now in the garage and I'm very upset with you. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to mock your drive through nativity um, as much as I, I am saying that it would be hilarious to see Xmas marks this spot done as one. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. I have a friend that was so busy with work that he didn't have time to do much decoration. So they didn't get a tree and then the snowpocalypse hit. So there was no getting a tree. Yeah. And he was so mad that his collection of red tornado Christmas tree ornaments weren't used that he instead made himself a nativity scene using (laughs) nothing but red tornadoes. (laughs) So we're a little bit more irreverent in some cases. I'm not saying there aren't some people that are, are more traditionally less blasphemous about nativity scenes, but (laughs) no, I hear you at least in the circles I run in there's, yeah, there's, there's some real, um, there's going to be some real discussions I, with St. Peter's I don't have coming a, up. I don't have a nativity scene at all. I have four Maddie Collector Ghostbusters wearing uh, snow, wearing Santa Claus hats, standing with a slice of pizza and a Slimer. Um, and four of them are around most of the year anyway, <laughs> just without the hats. So. Oh, God. I, there's that yeah. British series, um, uh, like, um, The Play Goes Wrong. Have you seen that yes, before? I have seen that. And... They've done so. Imagine that and more traditional, you know, panto elements, but it was just live. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on this idea. The the live action (laughs) Ghostbusters, like that would be. I'd like we literally have to like call and find out what it takes to get the rights to do that because that would be (laughs) so amazing. Don't just do it unauthorized. It's fine. Just don't don't get paid. Just do it unauthorized. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you probably could test it pretty easily without worrying about them coming down on you or anything. But then, <laughs> but oh, geez, that would be so great. That would <laughs> be the uh, strangest I, phone call from Ghost Corps. They'd be like, "We've heard that you've been doing a live action version of season one, episode thirteen of." <laughs> The real Ghostbusters, and I need to oh. I need to hang up on you uh, abruptly and rude and email the guy who wrote the uh, Ghostbusters Shakespeare. It's <laughs> <was> like, listen, <laughs> we had an idea. <laughs> I've actually I've met that person. Have, he yeah. was at um he was at um he was at the um 
at the LA Ghostbusters annual party. He was there. Was he? Yes, I can't That's remember amazing. his name now. But he's the what is it? The what is what is the what is that called? I can't remember now the name of it. It's like a manifestations of the something. I can't remember like the actual name of the the work. But um, the Ministers of Grace. Yes, he was yeah. there and he had a shirt on of his uh of like the logo of his stuff. Nice. So, I bought. I had the pin at one point, and if I recall correctly, I think it's he sent it to me, or the publisher sent it to me. I can't remember. And then I lost it. It was the pin of that Shakespeare and the the no ghost yeah. shield. Yeah, oh, that was a fantastic one. That'd make a great. Yeah, shirt he was. Too. He was at the uh, at the L.A. Ghostbusters anniversary party. That's so, right. Uh, there you Jordan go. People Monsell. at home listening, you're like, "Wow, what do you look at you rubbing elbows with people in the Ghostbusters scene?" Wow, Jordan <laughs> Montel. Uh, yeah. So to wrap up this uh, this Ghostbusters Home Shopping Network episode, go buy yes. a cop of twenty bucks on Amazon. <laughs> Easy to find. It is this a fantastic was the gift guide. This was the gift guide. <laughs> It was it was a secret gift guide. Everybody's like, I just watched the cartoon. Buy stuff. What? You can buy the DVD box set on Amazon, or you can subscribe <laughs> to Amazon Prime and have Ghostbusters. It's the gift that gives all year long. <laughs> oh boy. Um, oh, I'm really taken with this idea now. See, the thing was, is over the years there was things like, um, like the Shadow Cast. I always thought. It, would be a great idea. And then groups like the minions of gozers did it. And I was like, Oh, that's great stuff. And then, yeah, now you've, you've planned this is, this idea is not going away anytime soon. I really, right. really like this idea. So, well, we know what's happening for next, for next holiday Christmas season. 2023. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, look, if nothing else, we could do it as a podcast radio play. We get that, all the different right. podcast actors, all the people, like we go get I've the, got... yes, have some people like, <laughs> like Maybe we, can, come, we can, 11, maybe we can yeah, get right. Troy to come. Like we can be like, and, "Hey, you just come and play a character." That's right. And <laughs> Frank Welker as the voice of Ebenezer Scrooge. It'll make yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. So and I got we'll eleven. Get, what you what you're saying is I got eleven months to write a script for a yeah. real Ghostbusters Christmas panto. All right. And I bet you Laura Summer will come and do it. We'll we'll ask her. We'll just be like, "Hey, actually, I know the perfect hey, person." Uh, not to yes, right? She'd be perfect for Janine, and I know uh, no. Uh, disrespect of Jordan, but now that I think about it, uh, uh, Norm Gagnon on in uh, uh, I, he yeah I got to talk to him. That sounds like it. I, I I think if I said real Ghostbusters Christmas Panto, uh, <laughs> he, I think that'd be right up his alley. As a matter of fact, I'm going to hang up here and I'm going to say, "Hey, I just finished recording for the uh, the, the extra ca- uh, ca- uh, plast," and then I'm going to type <laughs> without giving anything away. Norm, <laughs> real Ghostbusters live action Christmas panto <laughs> question mark, and then we'll see we'll see where that goes. Maybe by All the right. time this airs, we'll be through like draft one. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm Thank glad you for having on. me. No, thank you for coming. Um, because I felt like you know, again, it's not Christmas without the cross rip. So, oh, um, sweet. And, and to Troy, who's out there somewhere, orbiting orbiting the the universe, being creative and not on a podcast right now. Merry Christmas to you too. So, Merry Christmas <laughs> to you, Chris. I'm so, sure he'll show up uh, online and and say Christmas, Merry Christmas in his own way soon enough. I'm sure he will too. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm probably will probably message him later and go okay i feel like we did this thing i did with chris thanks for thanks for telling people that i said a thing out loud and now chris won't stop talking about it how do you make him stop and troy will be like you don't he just goes that's not no i don't i don't really i don't i don't think i've ever messaged troy to be like how do i manage your co-host how do i I, could you give me some tips is there a book does this come with a manual (laughs) 
Well, I'll tell you right now, Troy's trick is he usually says, oh, the baby's crying. She hasn't been a baby for four years. Gotta go. Bye. Well, I say that because I, I do say I miss hearing his voice, but I'm glad that you joined us because I know people do miss you guys and your show and they tell me about it. But they tell me when you're gl- that they're glad to hear from you when you were on. So Excellent. Yeah, thanks for well, coming back. I enjoy doing yeah. it. Thank you very much. Come back anytime you like. All right. Uh, tomorrow. You know. I'll see you then. Yeah, that's fine. We'll do that. And uh, we'll, just read through, <laughs> we'll read through my one page synopsis pitch of the real I'm, Ghostbusters Christmas Panther special. <laughs> if you put this up to me, I'll be like, this is it. It's happening. This is the next week's episode. We're scrapping anything else that was on the edit calendar. Because exactly. now this is the new project of this podcast. This is a one project, one goal, the whole show. Oh, this is what we're going to do it, now. This place took a real left turn real quick. Now, this is the Patreon content. That's what we're going to do. You and I are going to hammer this out together. We're going to get paid like $1 per page. That's right. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody out there. Happy holidays. And uh, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Thank uh, you very much. And to you and your family, I hope you have a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. That's going to wrap things up for Extraplasm this week. Thanks for listening. Um, and I really genuinely mean that this time of the year, especially as I'm feeling thankful and grateful for all the things that you know I've had over the past year, even though it's only been four months of this podcast, doing it and doing it for you all and with you all and hearing from you has really been an absolute joy. I have to be honest with you. It's really brought a lot of light and a lot of hope and a lot of uh, cool stuff into my life. So uh, don't worry. It's still going to be there in 2023. So um, but, you know, for, for you, for your family, make sure that you're getting time to get some downtime, to relax, to uh, take in and be grateful and thankful for what we had over the last year. And, of course, to be hopeful for what's coming for the new year. And you'll hear from Extraplasm one more time on the 30th, like I said. But in case I don't, um, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year to you and your family. And, um, you know, if you want to reach out, share anything, if you have any holiday greetings, or if you just want to chat, you know, uh, pass something along to the podcast, you can still reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram and Twitter. You can reach the podcast at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. Happy holidays, everybody. Season's greetings. I don't know how many other ways I can say it, but I do know that if Ernie Hudson were here, he would probably tell you, try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.